This morning's reading is taken from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. The Fellowship of the Believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favour of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. What can Christian community life look like here in Wanish in 2017? What can Christian community life look like? And that's a question I find myself asking more and more over the last few years. What does Christian community look like? What could it look like in Wanish in 2017? 17. And we could come up with lots and lots of answers. We've heard one phrase already this morning, a place of the kingdom. Maybe that's the tagline we should have, because everything else comes underneath that. Maybe being a Christian community here in Wanish is recognising that this place, these people is a place of the kingdom. That sets the target high, doesn't it? That is a high aim, but that is my longing. Because what I see in Scripture are high ideals, high standards, high hopes and possibilities. Because it's not something that we strive at, like we would if we were a multi-million pound company, with our big tagline saying what we meant to be. This is the blessing of God. That is why we should aim high. Not because we do it, because God promises that this is the place of the kingdom. Wow. As we gather, we are part of God's kingdom here in this place. We belong to Christ and we belong to each other. We should fall on our knees in awe at the awesomeness and the holiness of that sense of who we are. What does it mean to be a Christian community, to belong here, to be part of this life here? We are in the place of the kingdom, where God has put us for now. And we belong here. What that then looks like day to day is where I really challenge myself. And I have thought about this a lot, and I haven't got the answers, I'm sorry to tell you. So this is not a sermon that says, here's a five-point plan. 
do these things and then this is how it will look. Because I think it's something that God is challenging me and challenging us on. And I think it's a journey that we need to be travelling on. Not that it starts now, it started in 1100 and whenever, when this first body of people met together. Because we keep needing to come back to God to saying, we are your people. Who are you making us? Who are you calling us to be? Because we don't stand still. Organically, we grow. As individuals, we grow and we change and we develop. Eric and Marie are not the same people who arrived 20-odd years ago. They have changed, and so they bring different things into our community. New people arrive, others leave. We do not stand still, praise God. We grow, and as we grow, we need to recognize that things change, things develop, that we come back to God time and time again, firstly to say we are your people, and secondly to say who are you making us to be, and how do we live together. And so we will always be on this journey, and we will never have all the answers. But that's okay. Because as long as we're traveling and seeking, he will show us. He will show us who we are and how we are meant to be. But first and foremost, we belong to one another because we belong in Christ. And this is the place of the kingdom. What did Christian community look like in the early church? It's so easy to look back with rose-tinted spectacles and think, well, they, they had it easy. They'd known Jesus, some of them. They were just, you know, the first lot of people. How exciting to be in that church plant. Miracles happening all over the place. Loving one another. No, it was not like that. If you were here at half past ten last week, I talked a little bit about the social understanding of how radical the disciples were in coming together. At the time of the early church, nationalities stayed apart. The cities were full of people from different nationalities. They travelled because they'd come for trade. And so in Jerusalem, there were people of many nations. But they stayed together. And the Jews had to stay together because they knew from all their teaching of the Old Testament that part of what made them who they were was being distinct, being together and not intermixing with the other nations. So part of their whole identity was to be separate from everybody else. The Holy Spirit blew amongst them and the first thing they did was preach to people in different languages. That barrier was thrown down and they mixed with Jews and Gentiles, Greeks and Romans alike. Was that easy? No. Because we can see through the letters that they kept asking questions about it. Surely we should really all be Jewish at the heart of it. Surely, God, that's what you're asking of us. And Paul keeps saying, no, this has changed. So they lived in a way that was really difficult. They lived in a way that was contrary to everything they knew and contrary to everything that they saw around them. They mixed across social hierarchies. At the time of the early church, you knew your place. And you did not mix across those different social strata. Again, the Holy Spirit blew that apart. And people lived together, masters and slaves, 
male and female, because they were separate as well. And God said, you are my body. There is no separation between you. Was that easy? No, it wasn't. Because again, we see Paul answering questions. What does this truly look like? Surely, Paul, you're not telling us this is how we are meant to live. And Paul says, yes. Remember what God has said. Remember what Jesus has done. He has torn away all those separations and you live together. And so we look back and think, if only we lived at the time of the early church, how much easier that would have been. It would have been a hundred times harder than we find it today. Because we don't have those same restrictions. We have 2,000 years of Christians belonging to one another. It would not have been easy. And yet, and yet there is so much to learn from that early church. And that is why I wanted us to begin. We are going to talk a little bit about volunteering, but I want to put it in the context of actually being community. Because I think, first and foremost, that is where this comes. Because we can't understand how we serve our community if we don't understand that we are community. And this has been challenging me all week. Because this is, in one way, a really wonderful topic to talk about. But if I'm going to be real, it's a really hard topic to talk about. How we live together as God calls us to live as a place of the kingdom is challenging is difficult. And if I don't acknowledge that, I'm not helping any of us. So what do we see in Acts 2, 42 to 47? If you want to have it open in front of you, it's page 1094 in the Bibles in the pews. It's not very many verses, but there's a wealth of things we can take from it. Because I want to look at the characteristics of this early group of believers. What was going on? Not to say that it was easy for them, but let's understand what they were working towards being and doing. Challenging all the difficulties that they had in order to live like this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were a church that were learning. That devoted themselves Coming together to learn was important. Coming together regularly to learn was important. We have lost something of that in in Great Britain. The Church of England produces national statistics of church attendance. And up until five years ago, they were based on weekly attendance. They now realize that that is not a correct figure to look at. Because the pattern of church attendance over the last 15 to 20 years, takes a while for the church to catch up, has been that people don't go to church every week. And so the more important figure that we look like to understand our trends of figures is a monthly figure. And we're asked, we still produce the weekly figures, but we're asked to produce a monthly figure. How many different people attend church over a month? And that is now our regular attendance. Because life has changed, I'm not passing any judgment, I'm just telling you a fact. That what we once expected of weekly attendance, we don't expect anymore. Monthly attendance is a sign of commitment. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And to the fellowship which follows. If you're only coming once a month, it's very hard to establish fellowship. 
They were a learning church, a church of fellowship, a praying church. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And the word is devoted. They were a reverent church. Everyone was filled with awe. They knew they were in the presence of God. They had an expectation of coming to a holy place. They were a church that expected to meet God when they came together. And they were a church where things happened. Many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. The Spirit moves and things happen when God is present. But we need to be alert to that, working together, sharing together, being devoted. And God works. They were a sharing church. Verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. I've heard more preached on these verses than any of the other verses from this passage. I've had hundreds of sermons heard on verses 42 to 47 and and most often they concentrate on 44 and 45 and ask the question, should we be living with a common purse? I think actually that is not the point of, of what is going on here. I think what this is saying is that people knew each other so well that they knew when people were in need and actually cared so much for one another that they couldn't live knowing that somebody was struggling and they weren't. And this was about knowing each other and sharing. I don't think it was a a system that was put in place where everything was put into the middle and then you came and borrowed or whatever. I think this is talking about knowing each other so well, loving each other so much, that you just knew. You knew. And you didn't think of, oh, this is mine, I'm not going to let you have it. You lived so closely together that nobody was in need. That was the kind of church that they were. They were a worshipping church. Verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every day. That's a challenge, isn't it? They ate together. They broke bread in their homes. And this is a different use of the breaking of bread. It's a different translation. Earlier on it talks about coming together in worship and sharing in communion. Here it is that they ate together. People who know each other and love each other spend time together. And the best place to spend time together is over a meal. They enjoyed being together. And they ate together. They were a church filled with joy. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And finally, they were a church whose people others could not help but like. Others looked in and what they saw was good. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. How they lived was so beautiful, was so attractive that others longed to be part of it. There is a real human need to belong, to belong and to be known. And church offers that. Our world needs that even more than ever. We have a society that is homesick because they don't belong. The early church shows us that when we live in that way, it is attractive 
and others are drawn in because what they see is good. I read that earlier this week and thought, how can I speak on one sermon? There's a whole sermon series in that. It's wonderful because it just helps me think, what's the really important things about church life? I spend my whole life in church life. And so I'm very conscious of how I spend my time. And am I spending my time on the right things? Sometimes it's yes and sometimes it's no. This reminds me of what are the important things about church, about what we should be working towards. And again, just sets that up, a place of the kingdom, living in the way that Jesus calls us to live. That's far more exciting than, I love the PCC, but you know, PCC is not the be-all and end-all. Drains and roofs are not the be-all and end-all. We need to be concerned about these things, but they shouldn't be our prime focus. We are the people of God in the place of the kingdom. So that's a lot of things that those early Christians were living in a particular way. If I was to sum them up, I'd say that there was a high level of connection with each other. They knew each other, they cared for each other, they loved each other, they ate together, they saw each other regularly. They belonged to one another. They were connected. And there was strong interaction. They needed each other. They communicated with each other. And when um, last week we were looking at the, the picture of the body of Christ, they brought different gifts and skills, but they were dependent upon each other. Nobody could go it alone. No one was more important than anybody else. And they had a very strong sense of communal identity. They knew who they were. And they were prepared to live in a very different way to the rest of society because they knew who they were. What does that look like today? I try to think about some modern Christian communities, ones that I've been aware of. When I was about 14, I went to visit, I don't know if you remember, the Fisherfolk. They were an American group that had come from a church and they brought a lot of um, renewal to the UK and they were a music group and they lived in community on the Isle of um, Cumbria in in the town of Millport, which is just off Glasgow. And I went with some others to visit them. And I loved it and I was horrified by it altogether. I loved the sense of community. But they shared absolutely everything and there was no space. And as part of me thought, my goodness me, I just could not do that at all. Even at 13, 14, I could see that. There are Christian communities that live together. Lee Abbey, Scargill House, where there are a community of people who live there regularly. Larsh, that we, if you were here on Tuesday night, you heard Jean Vanier talk about that whole sense of able-bodied and disabled living together. The Archbishop of Canterbury has set up a new monastic community called St. Anselm, based at Lambeth Palace, where young people come and live for a year at um, Lambeth Palace and pray. And um, there's a lovely video um, just talking about some of their experiences Anybody with any connection to those, and I've met people from all of those, would say it's wonderful and it's hard, all combined. At its best, you know it's the kingdom of God. At its worst, you struggle more with yourself as you try and relate with other people. Because we are broken people, and living together is really hard. 
And I think this is what I've been struggling all week to think about. Because I want to be honest and say that this is not easy. It's not easy because each one of us is broken. We can only be renewed by Jesus. But that brokenness and fragility means that sometimes we're not living quite as we could do. And I know that in myself. I have false expectations of other people. And when I feel those expectations aren't met, I feel let down and I can be disappointed. And that will affect my relationship. There's times when I'm really tired. And the last thing I want to do is to talk to people. I love people. But sometimes, actually, I just need to be on my own. And it's not possible. And I'm not giving of who I truly am. I put on a mask because I've got to be able to do it because that's what's expected of me and that's my role. But sometimes being with people is really hard because I'm tired, because there's too much going on. I'm speaking about myself. You, you make of this what you wish. I'm talking about myself. There's times when stuff in my past really affects me. There's some pain that I haven't resolved and I carry it like a burden on my back and most of the time it's just there as a bit of an irritant. But sometimes because of a particular situation or I've heard something or there's been something on television or something in the newspaper, I'm reminded more of it and that irritant becomes really quite heavy and I can't operate as I normally do. Sometimes I feel really positive. Other times I feel really vulnerable. Sometimes I love debate. Other times I hear it as criticism. My husband helped me. I'd go home sometimes and say, oh, so-and-so's complaining. He said, they're not complaining, they're expressing an opinion. (laughs) Puts a different light on it. I've had to learn with people. I've had to learn how to deal with people expressing opinions and not take it as criticism and complaint. Because we're good, we're very good at expressing opinions. And sometimes that really hurts. But that's who we are. We're broken people. We're fragile people trying to live together. Trying to share something. Maybe we need to look more at what that means. If I want to belong in this community, what is God asking of me? Is it my priority? Is church in pen or is it in pencil? Brian used that phrase at PCC. If something's in pen, we do it. If it's in pencil, if something better comes along, we do that instead. If this is the kingdom of God, it's in pen. But how often do I put it in pencil? Actually, I don't have much choice, but there you go. (laughs) And we come together as this broken, fragile, complicated group of people And if we think the early church wasn't like that, we haven't read the New Testament. We haven't read the letters. Every single letter is written by Paul because folk are finding it hard. How reassuring is that? Even in that, the first few years after Christ has risen, they're finding it hard. How much more do we find it hard? But how much more do we come back on our knees and we pray and say, bind us together. Help us, Lord. Allow us to be understanding of who we are 
Let this body grow organically. Let's not hold on to how we always were 50 years ago. Let's look to who he's making us and transforming us to be. Because that's what it means to be together. And we don't do it not caring for anybody. We do it caring for all. But we can't stand still. We are organically growing and moving and changing because God is doing a new thing amongst us. And as the body of Christ, we come together ready to do that. This is really hard because this is all about volunteering. I'm not going to ask you about volunteering. But this is why I've struggled all week because I felt I needed to come and just share something more honest about life and community. At its best, this is a wonderful community. At its best, we care and grieve when Graham is crying and weeping. We weep with him. That is good. At its worst, it's a difficult place to be. And there's a whole spectrum of things between the two. And we will all have experienced both. We'll have experienced times when we love being part of this place. We'll have experienced times when this is the hardest place to belong. And everything in between the two. But my challenge is, do we want to belong here? Because if we do, we have a lot to think about and understand. And it is about programs. It is about making sure we spend time together. It is about making sure that our worship is good. It is about making sure things are in pen and not in pencil. It's also about not burdening people. I hate asking for people to commit to things because I'm also conscious because I spend a lot of time with you on how busy people are and how many other demands there are and how I can also stand here and say you are Christ wherever you are on Monday to Saturday. And that's equally important. But we have been called together as the body and we need to belong. We need to know each other, love each other, care for each other, understand each other, accept each other. The hardest thing if someone expects me to be somebody I'm not. And I can't do that because I'm only me. Will you accept me for me? And that is the question each one of us needs to ask. If I want to be accepted as me, then I need to accept everybody else as they are. And they might be fragile. They might be really stroppy. They might let me down. Will I let them be like that and still love them? And when we come together as the body of Christ, there's a work to do. And it takes quite a lot of work just to keep the show on the road, just to keep Sunday worship happening before we even start on some of our outside activities. And often that is just the same people turning up to do different things. Again, I find this really hard because I look around and I can see all of you are involved in lots of different things. But today I I want us to, to have a bit of time to reflect, what can I give to this church? And you might think, here we go again, another request. What I want to say today is, actually, if you are overburdened by doing, drop. If we need to reduce the amount of work that is being done, we must do that. But we do that together by understanding what we can offer 
And so today is more about understanding what we have to bring. It's almost like a gift day where we bring in some money and then say, well, this is the amount we've got. How do we spend it? This is the talent, the gifts, the ability, the time that we've got. How do we then spend that? So this is actually meant to release you as much as challenge you. It's really important that you don't feel you sign your life away when you offer to do anything in church. This is for a year. What could you do over the next year? What could you give? What talents do you have that we don't actually know yet? And two occasions a year, using that particular talent would make a massive difference. Because we want to do God's work here, but it takes commitment and it takes involvement. When I email this week, I'm going to email to everybody because if folk only come once a month and have missed this one, they're not off the hook. (laughs) Because actually we all need to own this. The PCC cannot plan a programme of activities unless we all are committed to what we're doing. There is no point running events if we can't run them. And some of us need to, to learn that. I was just chatting to Sarah before the service started. She's like me. We think we can run everything ourselves. So she ran an event on Thursday night, a parenting roadshow, where 23 people came. 18 of those are not churchgoers. It's amazing outreach to parents in our community who want to talk about what it means to be a parent. And she did exactly as I do. Didn't ask for any help. That's another problem, isn't it? Not asking for help. So she left Lawnsmead at 20 to 12 having washed up every cup herself and put away all the tables. And I said to her, why didn't you ask for a a set-up and a clear-up team? Because she's tired of asking for help. Today she's no adult helper, she's got two teenagers. I'm not saying that to make people feel bad. I'm saying it to identify a reality. If we believe in children's work, Sarah can't do it on her own. If we believe in seniors' work, so that it's not just children's work I'm talking about, because I'm not just flying a flag for her, I just happened to have that conversation this morning. If we believe in seniors' work, we've reduced the number of outreach activities with catering because it's really hard to find people to come and to do some catering. It might be three times a year. It's really hard to keep asking and not to get a response. And sometimes it's not because people can't do it. It's just, it just doesn't sink in or you forget the bit of paper that's, that asked you for help. But we've sat as a team looking at our seniors' ministry, thinking of all the wonderful things that we could do. There is so much that we could do, but actually keeping the show on the road is almost as much as we can do. The altar hangings, Paul and I do at the moment, because nobody else is doing them. The communion linen gets washed since Kathleen died by Marion and myself. It takes a lot just to keep the show on the road. Setting up, clearing up, these things are heavy work and sometimes if you've been actually ministering, that can be the last straw when you're still there an hour after the last person has left, putting chairs away. We, don't, we can't carry on doing the amount we're doing unless we're sharing it more equally because I don't think it's the way forward. So this today is about saying, who are we? What can we offer? You might think, I haven't got anything to offer. There must be something. 
And it doesn't have to be very much because if everybody does a little bit, we can then see who we are and what we can do. I think I've got my message over. I have found this really hard because I don't like asking for help. I don't like asking for help for myself in my own life, and my husband will tell you that. My biggest fault is I don't ask for help. And then it all blows up, and I get cross with them. Why aren't you helping me? You haven't asked. (laughs) I don't like asking for help in church, because I know how busy you are. And I don't want this to be a burden. I want this to be in the context of us being God's people in this place, God's kingdom in this place, and sharing with one another. So I've been more honest than perhaps you'd like me to be. Because this is hard work. It's hard work in a church with high expectations where we want to do a lot where people are quick to point out when it's gone wrong and when it doesn't always feel as if we're pulling together as we would like to pull together and that's me being really honest the flip side of that it's a wonderful place of care, of love, of sharing and so I could give you as many examples of that as I could of that but I have to be honest and say that both exist that sometimes it's a very hard place to be expectations are very high And that is good. And my expectations are very high. Because I never want us to cease in doing what God is calling us to do. But we have to seek what that is by hearing him and understanding who we are and what we can bring. And that might mean that some things have to stop. That might mean that some things change. Might look a little bit different. Might not be as they were in the golden days. But we understand that. And we understand that we move together. I will shut up now. I'm sorry. No, I'm not going to. I'm going to actually. We sang. Thank you for choosing this. Come down, O love divine, this morning. And if we really mean these words, it's about putting ourselves in the right place. Let holy charity mine outward vesture be, and lowliness become mine inner clothing. True lowliness of heart, which takes the humbler part, and o'er its own shortcomings weeps with loathing. We think of others as much as ourselves. And so the yearning strong with which the soul will long shall far outpass the power of human telling. For none can guess its grace till love create a place wherein the Holy Spirit makes a dwelling. The Holy Spirit is alive and working in this place, but we want more. We want that Holy Spirit to form us into God's kingdom in this place. I'm going to put on some music. And as that music is playing, um, Darren and Susanna have got some little forms that are going to bring around. And this is a, a chart that says, Keeping Wanish Church Running, with a whole list of the types of jobs that need to happen to make the church function. I'm sure we've missed out lots, and I'm sorry for that. If your particular thing is not there, the space at the bottom, Marion and I spent some time this week. We are not infallible, and so we probably have made mistakes and we have missed things out, 
Please forgive us for that. Please take this as it's meant to be, as a picture of the types of things that need to happen, with a little description, with a frequency, and a column that says, yes, I can help. If you'd like to spend the time when we're listening to the music, reading through it and praying, do that. If you feel able to fill it in, that would be wonderful. There's a basket out in the porch. If you need to take it away with you, that is fine as well. Please bring it back. Don't lose it at the bottom of your bag. The music lasts five or six minutes. If you just need to sit and pray, do that. But use this time to come before God and to ask him, who are you asking me to be in this community, in this place, at this time? Let's put the music on and then we'll get these handed out and there's some pens as well. And there's um, a large print one as well, so if you'd rather have a large print, ask Darren as he brings them round.